Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Introducing this week's guest, Victoria. Today, we are going to talk about grief, death, divorce, estrangement, miscarriage. There's so much grief going on in the world today, and it would be awesome if you could shed some light on the psyche of scars. I think our scars begin in childhood, start with a backpack, and we add rocks to it over time. And I think as a child, it starts with loss of a pet, friendship moving. It can be death of a loved one. What was the first grief that you experienced? The most devastating loss early on was my grandmother when I was seven. And then a year later, my dad had passed away as well. And within two years of that, my mother remarried. And so the same year my dad passed away, my sister, who is nine years older than me, and she also left. She joined the military. She didn't leave me per se, but I'm eight years old. It kind of felt like that, you know. I had a lot of loss and a lot of change in a short amount of time. That must have been really hard to process at that age. You know, in childhood, we get the messages on how to deal and deal with and process grief. My mother replaced her loss, quickly getting into another relationship and remarrying. You know, I'm not judging that, but. There was no communication around that. Who did you talk to? I really was not given the opportunity to process. I really learned a lot in my late 30s. I felt completely lost. Like I kind of had a midlife crisis. And okay, let's talk about a midlife oh crisis. I mean, <laughs> my youngest, when she started kindergarten, at that same time, I had had a photography studio. I had decided I was going to close that to pursue writing. That's when I really started to dive into personal development. In that process, I really felt like I was lost. When I closed that business and my daughter started kindergarten, there was a loss of identity. I wasn't a photographer anymore. I wasn't as needed as a mother. So you it, felt purpose from that? At the time, yes. Photography for me was me finding something that was mine. That midlife crisis, all the grief that I had never dealt with, that really started to come to the surface. I had started writing a book. In 2017, I published it. But even during writing that book, and it was in the editing phase. My father's brother, he was diagnosed with brain cancer. Communication with his side of the family cut off. And so when I found out he was sick, I went to go see him and I was in the process of editing the book and I had six months to reconnect with him. That was so healing for me. After that is when I realized I need something because I'm not okay. Grief is cumulative and it's cumulatively negative and it stacks up. So I think eventually all of us will have that one loss that kind of just takes us over the edge. And that's how I found grief recovery. It has changed my life. Can you tell me about some of your clients and who you've helped? Have you talked to women who have been raped? Molestation. I also have experience with that. The year after my dad passed away, I was also molested. In my 20s, I had other experiences that actually didn't come up for me until 
this year. When we have traumatic experiences sometimes, we really learn how to stuff. It's an ongoing process. I have the tools, I have the education to continually do that work. There's so many women who respond to trauma differently. Some people bury it. Some people get angry. Some people tell others. What are your recommendations? In grief recovery, we call them STURBs. STURBs are the short-term energy relieving behaviors. They are the things that we resort to that bring us comfort and are familiar and make us feel good for a short period of time. There are so many different behaviors that we can resort to to feel good. And the question to ask yourself, am I doing this to avoid feeling what's really going on under the surface? Do we need to feel in order to heal? I don't know how you can't. How did the grief that you've experienced make you feel? In different phases of my life, I dealt with it differently. Growing as a child, I was very insecure. I didn't have a lot of friends. I would go to cry alone because the messages I received was, if you want to cry, go to your room. If you want to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. When you're taught to grieve alone, which is one of the myths of grief, you tend to do that throughout your adult life as well. I think how grief makes us all feel. It affects us all differently because our relationships are different and unique and our losses are different and unique. I mean, you can have two siblings that lose the same parent and their experiences are completely different. How do you feel now that you have gone through this training and that you're helping other people? I find such fulfillment in doing this work. Because this message, it's bigger than me. I found my passion. I love that. Can you tell me about some of the other stories that have crossed your desk? In society, we tend to compare losses. Women don't talk about miscarriage because of the, well, you can try again. People say unhelpful, hurtful things, but it's because we resort to what we know and what we've been taught. I even had a nurse when I had had a miscarriage. She was like, are you the abortion? The miscarriage? I just got full body chills. It was crazy. Is our medical system desensitized to it? What lens are they seeing your grief through? What have they experienced in their life? Miscarriage is one of the most minimized losses. We tend to compare losses and that is so unhelpful. What have people said to you that was the wrong thing? I can tell you the one thing that sticks in my mind to this very day, the day of my dad's funeral, and I heard they were talking about me. She doesn't know what's going on anyway. I was very dismissed because of my age. By the time we are age 15, we have learned 95% of everything that we would use in our brain capacity to problem solve. And that is also including how to deal with grief. It is allowing your child the space, asking them, how does that make you feel? How can I help you? Educating yourself, actually doing the work and educating yourself, reading books, seeking out the information rather than resorting to what you've been taught, which is completely unhelpful. Can you talk to me a little bit about estrangement? You can be estranged from your birth parents. Well, I was estranged from my father's side of the family. Estrangement is like disconnection from the relationship. And estrangement really doesn't create or foster a nurturing environment to probably share how you're feeling. Forgiveness is for you. 
and you alone, and you never forgive someone to their face. Resentment is a poison that you take hoping someone else dies. You can do your work and they don't have to know. I also had postpartum after my second. It was really bad after my third. Um, I feel like it's questioned. My sister just went through it and it took her a year to really even say something. And you know what? You go to the doctor, like I did. They don't ask you, how are you feeling? Well, you know, they have this checklist of questions. I was going to say, oh, fill out the yeah. survey. And like everybody <laughs> is sleep deprived, adjusting, exhausted, A, B, C, or D. Come on. And are you even going to tell the truth? Like, do you feel like pouring your heart out into some medical document? Right. No, but I actually went because I felt like I needed something to help me. Like I needed help. And it was, try this Prozac and see how you feel. And I was nursing too. And so I did start it and I felt like crap. Yeah, we have COVID-19. The grief has been our pandemic for decades because it is such a massive sleeping giant. Well, thank you so much for shedding light on grief. And what's the name of your podcast? Grieving Voices. The first 10 episodes are going to be educational based. After that, I intend to have interviews with grievers who are willing to share their stories. I'm available for online. I'm an advanced grief recovery method specialist, so I can help people online. And tell people how they can connect with you. You can find me on Instagram at The Unleashed Heart or on Facebook. My website site is theunleashedheart.com. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And this has been super informative and educational and fun. And thank you for opening up to me. Thank you for having me so much. So daddy, what did you think? The story of Victoria is that she suffered, even as a little girl, many losses, not just in life, but a big sister even handled it differently. The loss of a grandmother, then a father, and she was eight years older and she went away. And that's really like a loss too, even though they're still alive, they move on and they move out of town or they move to another country or, or they uh, join the, the army or the service to a, a little brother or a little sister. That's also a very, very big loss. But the fact is, is that she's got a lot of, concerns about her future, a lot of concerns about her self-confidence, and a lot of concerns of how is she supposed to cope with people disappearing in her life. And I think this is very difficult for everybody. She wasn't really affected as badly until she gave up her job. When she was doing her photography, you're busy and dizzy. You don't really have time to really examine and think of every variable of your life because you're constantly in motion. So people that are not in motion, I think also have a tendency to overthink things and start examining their lives and trying to figure out how they can do better. It's good sometimes to do a variety of things. Your father, for instance, was a very, very good student as long as he was working and doing other things. Just going to college or just going to school and just concentrating on that, I was a very bad student. I couldn't focus or concentrate just on my studies. But if I was playing sports, or I was on the chess team, or I was on the debate team, or if I was in student council, or I was chasing after girls, or I was working, all of a sudden I could do better in school because I wasn't just focusing on one thing, be the type of advice that I would pass on to others. But if you hit the wall, do other things, get involved in many things and keep yourself active that I think helps cure a lot of problems.
I want to tell you about UMAP, a program that shows people who they are and how they'll be most successful. Not only did it win the 2020 Career Innovators Award from Career Directors International, but 100% of UMAP certified coaches recommend the program. Let's hear from today's coach, Lori Knudsen. It was just a natural yes when it became available. I'm like, I want to do this. And I was one of the first ones to go through the UMAP certification because I just really saw the impact it had for me. I fully endorse this tool and certification program. So check out myumap.com. That's M-Y-Y-O-U-M-A-P.com. Holistic, intuitive, actionable. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show.